It was Augustine who once said, You have made us for yourself, Almighty God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. The Christian life that we experience is not based upon events, circumstances, people, but rather it's based upon the Word of God and the importance of knowing the God who became flesh and dwelt here among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It is so important for us as children of God to have a passion and a desire to discover the life-changing nature of God's attributes. God has many attributes, but one of the attributes that I think is stressed in the scripture is the attribute holy, holy, holy. Yes, God is love. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. Many attributes, but it is significant that there's that repetition of the word holy. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, holy, 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 what did he do? He fell down. And he said, I'm unworthy. I'm unholy. There is, and there should be, a life-changing aspect of God's attributes and a passion to know God. The first verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. Sometimes we start in a different direction, but God in his word put it that way. In the beginning, the starting place is God. Later we know in Genesis that God created male and female in his image and his likeness. And God says, I want my people to know me and to make me known to other people. In fact, Jesus defined the eternal life in John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, John chapter 17, verse 3. And you, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you sent. It is the importance of knowing God, the Father, and his Son, that he sent in love as a holy God for unholy people as we are affected by sin. When it comes to the statement, knowing God, we often say, I know God, but, but, there's that three-letter word again, but what do we do? We put God in a box. To program it. Well, you know, we'll study the Bible. We pick out the promises and expect God to be bound to what we have decided and to act in the same way that, that we've decided. And we 
think that God will act on terms that we have established. When he doesn't, what do we do? He does things differently. We get bent out of shape and dismayed. And sometimes we say, I know God, but sometimes I say, I know Sharon. I've known her, been connected with her for 63 years now. And that's three-fourths of my life, time-wise and so forth. But when my wife doesn't respond the way that I think, she is somebody at the back door, or Mark. Um, when she doesn't respond the way that I think I know her, I get out, bent out of shape. Because I really don't know her. And as a result, our relationship suffers. Since that needs to be worked out in the realm of human relationship, then I submit to you that it needs to be worked out in terms of our spiritual relationship as well. Since God knows all things, okay? God knows all things then the work of God needs to be done on our side, is what God reminds us of. God, you know all things. Then God says, yes, I saved you, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any of you, any of you, are boasting. But sometimes we forget the next verse. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But verse 10 is a good reminder to me and to us, I think, that we are God's workmanship. Workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And these actions of God is that we are to be involved in the work that God has planned. Yes, even before the foundation of the world, even when I comb my beard or my hair and so forth, and I have to, you know, I have less hair on my head than before. And so I usually say, not all the time, but I usually say, oh God, you have to change the uh, number of hairs on my head. But again, I'm reminded, <laughs> God knows even how many hairs I have on my head. God knows everything. But he says, now, Arthur, it is important that you use the gifts and the abilities and talents that I place in you to be an instrument of glory to me. God just doesn't sit back and then says, hey, it's your job. No, I love you. And because I love you, God says, I will discipline you. I will, I will judge you because I love you. You see, judgment is not God's way of saying, I'm through with you. The experiences that you encounter, God is not saying, hey, you blew it. There's no hope for you. I better go on to someone else that will do it for me. No, God allows certain things to happen. In the Old Testament, we have Job, and Job 
was a righteous man. And God gave permission to Satan who wanted to afflict him. And God says, yes, you can have, you can, you, you can do whatever it takes. But, there's that three-letter word again, but you can't take his life. You see, God holds the keys of life and death. And God says, you are my instrument, and I perhaps will allow certain things to happen in your life, in your life, but in the life of the world all around us. And I want you to grow. Romans chapter 8, 28 and 29. The purpose is for God to conform us to the image of his son. That is why we experience even times of judgment, even times of trial, even times of circumstances that we are encountering. He loves us to teach that we are his children. And part of that teaching is I want you to know me better. It was C.S. Lewis who once put it this way. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our work. But this is the key. He shouts to us in our pain. There are times when we do not listen to God or make an effort to know him or pay attention to the centrality and the final authority being the word of God. And God allows us to be put on our back. And he allows us to be hurt for us to listen more and to know God better. As I mentioned, there are some things happening in Israel right now. It's a war. Many have classified it as 9-11 again in Israel. And it was interesting when the 9-11 occurred here in the United States years ago, what happened immediately after? Why, the church was packed. But then after a period of time, there was the less numbers. It was Johnny Erickson Tata who had a diving accident in 1967 that left her as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair for many years. And since that time, she's been involved in a ministry to handicapped people. But over the course of these years, she's had many struggles and questions and discouragement. And many years ago when she was unable to move much, she was on a, a flat bed, more or less. And she was experiencing difficulty in the therapy and, and the training that she was taking place, that was taking place. And a friend of hers said to her, Johnny, as you're experiencing this pain and this difficulty, I remind you that Jesus was the most God-forsaken person who ever lived. Romans 8, 28 that I've referred to. All things. Even when you have a 
broken neck and you have a diving accident. God can work, Romans 8, 29, for his purpose, not yours. Ultimately, is for God's purpose, even in the pains that you experience. Jeremiah's people of God needed to know him. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah chapter 7. We have an extensive account of the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, reading, beginning here in chapter 7, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it and declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people, Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen. And when I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers as I did to Shiloh, and I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen all the offspring of Ephraim. Discouraging, but significant and powerful words. But then he goes further, verses 16 and following. As for you, do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry or prayer for them, and do not intercede with me, for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they are doing in their cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women need dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provide me to anger. 
Is it I whom they provoke, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves to their own shame? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold my anger, and my wrath will be poured out on this place, upon man and beast, upon the trees of the field and the fruit of the ground. It will burn and not be quenched. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this command I gave them, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the way that I command you, that I, it may be well with you. But, there's that three-letter word again. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts. And they went backward and not forward. From the day that your father came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or inclined their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers, so you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, but they will not answer you. And you shall say to them, This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, and did not accept discipline. Truth that has perished, it is cut off from their lips, cut off your hair, and cast it away. Raise a lamentation on the, the bare highlights, for the Lord has rejected and forsaken the genera generation of his wrath. Discouraging. Continues on in chapter 8, which I won't read. But where it says, God knows. People do not know. Going to chapter 9, verse 3 and 6. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and not truth has grown strong in the land, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Verse 6. Heaping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit, they refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Going from one sin to another is not knowing God. In deceit, they refuse to know me. The first thing God does when we begin to drift from knowing God is to warn us of consequences. Back in chapter 7, Verse 7, excuse me, 9, verse 7. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and test them. For what else can I do because of my people? Their tongue is a deadly, deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. With his mouth, earth speaks peace to his neighbor, but in his heart, he plans an ambush for him. 
Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord, and shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? I will take up weeping and wailing for the mountains and a lamentation for the pastures of the wilderness because they are laid waste so that no one passes through. And the lowing of cattle is not heard. Both the birds of the air and the beasts have fled and are gone. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a lair of jackals, and I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. These are some of the consequences. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Significant words for us in this day and age. We have a God that hopefully we really are growing to know. A God of tenderness, a God of compassion. This should be a word of encouragement about the greatness of God. Do we really want to know God? Far beyond the wise man, strong or rich man, who boasts of wisdom, strength, or riches, rather our boasting should be, I want to know God. My Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, do we delight in the God who loves us to this extent? In between the traits and the attributes is persons like us who want to know God and who boasts in the understanding The last phrase, God delights in God's people who boast, not in a prideful way. I am wise, I am strong. I don't need any help. I want to know God. I am seeking to know God. The question that I lay before us this evening is, what do you and I boast in? What do we talk about? A golf score? I'm a father, mother, a recent movie. I'm a fisherman. 
this restaurant is the best place to go. I'm a great preacher. Past joys and sorrows. May it be said of the people, the brothers and sisters here at Faith Presbyterian Church in Myrtle Beach, that here is a body of believers, the body of Christ, who speak and who live as people of God, seeking to understand and know God, even in the struggles and the difficulties and some of the issues that we are experiencing. That here is a body who has a reputation or a passion in their conversations, in their activities. Here is a body of believers who want to know God and want to know Him intimately and recognize that knowing God is more important than the self-centeredness that we have a human nature, a sinful nature. And we're not looking for the wisdom and the strength and the riches of what this world has to offer, but that we have a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23 and 24, Jeremiah put it this way for our encouragement, I hope. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not a man who walks to direct his steps. And then this significant verse, correct me, correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. ask me from time to time, how are you? And my normal response is, I am better than I deserve. And the reason I say that is because I deserve to be in hell. By the grace of God, God has redeemed me. And my desire, and I trust, and I pray that it will be your desire as as well, no matter what the age or whatever the circumstances, I cannot say to you, I understand your pain, but I trust that no matter what the circumstances, you will have a desire. I want to know God. God, if it means that I'm flat on my back, God, if it means that I am not having my monetary security. May it be said that we are a people who walk by faith, faith rather than by what we can see and grab a hold of. It was Jesus Christ, Philippians chapter 2, that reminds us that he did not hold on to his glory, but he humbled himself. He humbled himself even to the point of death and became obedient to that point. He struggled, yes. The night that he was betrayed, he said, Father, 
I know you have a plan. You have a purpose for why I'm here. And it's not my will, but it's your will that I want to be involved, even to the point of death. And God has given us the victory through Jesus Christ. He is building his church. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that we can hopefully be reminded in these ways that you are the God who works in mysterious ways, peculiar ways. And in reality, according to your word, we are to be a peculiar people. Help us to be a people who are not being conformed to the pattern and the lifestyle of this world, but rather are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. How are they to be removed, re renewed? They are to be renewed according to your will, according to your word. I pray more than anything else that we would be a people that seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and that our lives are based upon the final reality and the authority is the word of God. Not just the written word, but also the living word. May Jesus Christ be seen in us. In his name we pray. Amen.